Live in a homeowners association and worried about solar? We'll be breaking it down for you on this week's Renew Guru. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things Missouri energy policy and politics and beyond. I think I actually got that a little stripped up, but we're not going to do it again. I'm James Owen, the executive director of Renew Missouri, joining you live on tape from the palatial Renew Missouri studios on the boards. Matt Patterson. Hola. Hello. How are you? Oh, just fantastic. Oh, I think you said everything correctly. Oh, I did? I don't know. I don't it's really a lot listen. to say. It is a lot to say. And I'm not really sure if it has any rhyme or reason to it, so maybe I, I'll just, we'll just stick with yeah, it. Sounds good. It's good. Joining us in the studios uh, with a lot of enthusiasm is uh, Renew Missouri's General Counsel, Tim Opitz. Always excited to be here. Yeah, you just got back from vacation, literally. Yeah, a couple hours ago. And I've said, hey, we need to, we need to do a podcast this week. Uh, because, folks, we have a lot of exciting things going on. Um, we want to talk about something that has really been kind of a topic that I, I get a lot of phone calls about. And I think anymore, Tim is starting to get a lot of phone calls about. Andrew, who's in our St. Louis office, I know he used to feel these all the time. And it's about uh, covenants with homeowner associations. Now, um, if you own a house and it's in one of these developed subdivisions, you know, I, I mean, you know, I don't really know the kind of history of these things, but if you want to have a neighborhood that conforms to certain things and all the houses kind of look alike and everyone's supposed to do the same thing in their yard, they have a homeowners association, which is incorporated and they have all these things and they have all these rules. And if you live there, <laughs> you're supposed to follow them. Did I get that right, Tim? That's right. Uh, there's good things and there's bad things about HOAs. Ooh, <laughs> let's talk about some of those bad things. Um, because one of the things, okay, let's, let's, let's. Well, how far back on bad, bad things? Oh, like solar or like. Oh, Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> I, I don't think we really want to get into like redlining. Okay, right. Uh, is that, is that the phrase where they like, would like try to like develop, uh, neighborhoods like to keep minorities out? Is that, is that what that was? I think you could probably apply redlining to that. I thought that was more. What am I thinking of? Well, white flight, sort of. Maybe. No, that's something else. That's like when people just left to go move in a suburb. Right, and they built suburbs with all HOA covenants. That said, no black people here, basically, right? Uh, they oh my that gosh. they said you cannot sell your house to people. Oh, yeah, people yeah. of a, of certain races or yeah. certain religions or okay. certain orientations. Hmm. Well, this isn't as bad as that. <laughs> All right, let's just let's just let's just say that because I mean I'm not trying to say that oh this topic is as uh, bad as racially discriminating against somebody in purchasing a home, but if you go back to look at especially like if you have a covenant that was written in the 70s or 80s, uh, there's a, there there are restrictions in there about solar panels, and there's even some of those on new ones. But I, I mean when you look in the 70s and 80s, I mean this one seems very pervasive to me. There is a uh, there is a tendency for those covenants to say you cannot have these, no solar panels allowed. Right, right now, um, and I think that what I can, as far as I can tell, uh, the, these were put in there, uh, you know, 40, 50 years ago, thirty years ago, when solar panels were a little clunkier than they are now. Um, I mean, you're talking about real 
real beasts <laughs> yeah. out there, right? I guess the analog would be, you know, those giant solar, uh, not solar dishes, satellite dishes. Satellite that dishes. Were like the size of a car. Did you say analog? Well, you mean, you mean an analogy? An isn't, isn't an analog, right? Is it? With the satellite, the big, right. yeah. The, no, yeah. I know what I know what the satellite means, but he said analog. Like and an Is that the same thing as an analogy? No. It's not. Okay. Yeah, all right, well, to <laughs> your point about solar... I'll edit this out. Okay. <laughs> no, I want you to keep that in there, because this is real. No. Okay, satellite dishes, yes. Tim, uh, analog, a person or thing seen as comparable to another. Ooh. Noun. <laughs> Did I goof up? Take that, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Webster. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nothing better than a grammar Nazi or whatever I was, right? Yeah. <laughs> God. Okay, your analog. <coughs> whatever. Technology it, has changed. Yes. They're less, uh, they're, they're less <laughs> obtrusive. They're sleeker. You get yeah. better energy out of them. Yeah. Hell, they're starting to put them into to, uh, shingles. Yes, uh, Tesla has uh, models for that now. Those are still... Yeah. Really expensive, and I think someday those will be something that's a little more compatible to people. But, I mean, I guess my point being, before I started criticizing your use of language, was was that um, a lot of these covenants... Okay, so here's, here's, um, here's a fun fact about lawyers, folks. Um, we tend to, if we find a document out there that uh, works or has not had any problems with the court, we tend to replicate it. Uh, one, you know, I've had uh, judges and lawyers say that this is one of the few professions where uh, plagiarism is encouraged because you want people to reuse the... Yes, Tim. I'm not saying that you're not going to cite like a case. I'm just saying, but if you see a document that works, you just kind of replicate it. And so if you find a homeowner's association covenant or you know these lists of things that you're supposed to sign when you move into one of these places and... It's not been challenged before. You uh, you replicate it, and so if you found one from the late '70s when you had these um, when you had these solar panels up there, why it could be uh, it it could be something that just gets kind of passed along uh, from decade to decade. Yeah, that's right. I really went through a lot of that just to say that uh, people like just steal from these other covenants, and that's how we get stuck with this bad uh, <laughs> with these bad documents. Um, yeah, I, I think there is some level of, I guess, carelessness that goes into perpetuating these covenants that restrict solar rights. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So the, then it becomes the question, all right, and it's not just restrictions saying you can't have them. I mean, there are some uh, homeowners associations, which I will say either, um, either they have uh, restrictions on um, them that, you know, as long as they're reasonable, as long as they conform certain ways and they're fine. Sometimes they have uh, provisions in there say you've got to run this by some sort of committee in the homeowners association. We, we typically see in these things, Tim, a uh, like kind of an architecture committee or an architecture control committee where some group of homeowners sit around and decide what you should be able to put on your house and what you shouldn't. That's right. Right. So, you know, the thing is about these is those those folks, well-meaning, well-intentioned, well, they're not structural experts. They're not architects. And, and certainly they can sometimes put their personal feelings in these things. And so sometimes even those decisions 
uh, could be just as arbitrary as a uh, restriction that says you can't have solar panels at all. Now, um, why am I talking about all this? Well, because if you move into a neighborhood and let's say you sign these things, and let's say maybe you don't read them as carefully as you should. I know sometimes that happens when you're moving, you got a closing, <laughs> you have a bunch of documents thrown in front of you and maybe you don't review them as well as you should. And you don't know what these covenants say, what right. these restrictions do. So you sign it and then you call your local solar company and you say, hey, I wanna get a quote on this and I wanna be able to put this in. And then you find out, lo and behold, uh, you're not allowed to do that. Or they make you go to some committee which tells you you can't do it and they don't really give you a reason why. Right. And then they deny you the opportunity to save tens of thousands of dollars, you know, over the next 15 to 20 years. That's right. And, and so, you know, obviously we see a problem with this. I mean, and now look, okay. So if you're a lawyer out there, you know anything about real estate, you might say to yourself, James, you wouldn't say this to yourself. You'd be saying that you'd be screaming at this to the podcast because I know this elicits a lot of passion. Um, James, if they signed off on this, they agreed to it. These people are assumed to be rational, reasonable adults who have got the full, their full capacities about them. I mean, if they, if they bought this house and they signed this restriction, why shouldn't they, why shouldn't they have to follow that? Valid question? <laughs> that, that, I mean, that is a valid question. That is something that uh, <laughs> the opponents or these people representing homeowner associations regularly bring up. Yes. Right. And our response is, well, even though they signed this contract, which is what a covenant is, uh, it can't. their rights can't be unreasonably denied right. so long as they're in there. Because this is something that a lot of people do not know, is that there is a statute out there. 442. 442-012. You know, folks, we do some show prep. We have paperwork <laughs> in here uh, that has this information on there. Okay, yeah, 442 Zero twelve. This gives the right to utilize solar energy as a property right for all Missourians. And the courts have held that this section confers upon homeowners a legally protectable right to utilize solar energy on their property and to participate in solar programs under state law. You can look that up. So... <laughs> Now, I think the one thing they say is you can't use it as imminent domain. You can't, like, use that statute to say, oh, we're going to put the solar panel up and you can't stop us. Is that what that means? I don't know, because that always says, like, it has something on there about not being applicable to imminent domain law. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. So there's this statute out there. And that statute, okay, and this is important to think about how uh, certain laws trump certain things. <laughs> Okay, so uh, obviously the constitution of our state is the paramount law for our state, then statutes, then court cases, and then kind of whatever documents that you have that govern your behavior with other people. Contracts is what we'd call them. That's kind of the hierarchy of how we, uh, how we are governed as a state, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting into some pretty basic stuff here, but I mean, so ultimately, if there's a statute that says you should be able to do that, that's going to trump a contract. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yes, generally. Generally. Well, Tim, explain that, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, uh, you can contract away certain rights, you know. Yes. When you 
let's say you've got a settlement or you've got, you know, you're going to contract away your right to do, you know, whatever it might be. Right. Um, and that's what these HOA representatives allege. That yeah. They contracted away this property right. Right. But can you, can you say, as, I mean, you know, as far as like if there's a statute that says, well, look, I, um, I, I have this ability to use solar as a property right, and you can, can you like absolutely restrict it? Can you say you can't have this at all? You could argue that. Yeah. <laughs> but there's another, there's a counter argument to that, yes? Right. I would say no, that you just can't, uh, you can't restrict it entirely. Yeah. And if you do restrict it or subject it to some sort of pre-approval, that can't be unreasonably denied. Right. Because the whole thing is like, I mean, obviously when you, I mean, I think what the policy of these laws are is you want homeowner associations to be able to provide to the people living there like some sort of uniformity. I mean, that seems to be the appeal of, of those neighborhoods is that no one's going to put a bunch of cars in their front yard. <laughs> no one's going to put a bunch of signs up around their house. No one's going to do anything that's going to be considered an eyesore or make your, you know, peace living at home more difficult. I mean, that's the idea of a, of a homeowner's association, Yeah, pretty right? much every set of HOA covenants or restrictions talks about how the purpose of them is to preserve the value of people's property. Right. And, you know, the thing that bothers me about when they have that overarching purpose and then they deny the ability of people to do solar panels is solar panels are proven to increase your property. Yeah, value. that's right. Because, I mean, and, that's, and I think that that's an idea that people get in their head. They're like, oh, my gosh, they're putting these solar panels on the roof. They're going to be an eyesore. They're going to glare. But, like, everything I have read... And I've read this like in, in kind of what I would consider to be objective publications as well, indicates that if you have solar paneling on your roof or that that's something that's like kind of an attribute of your neighborhood, it makes the value of your property increase. Right. By somewhere in the range of ten to $15,000. Right. Because, I mean, this is like something that is allowing you to put the, um, allowing you to put options about like how you get your power, how you deal with your utility company in your own hands. It is something that ultimately does save you money. And so therefore, because this is, you know, it's one of those things we talk about a lot with pays, or we talk about this a lot with any kind of energy efficiency programs is, you know, one of the things that you should look at, in my opinion, uh, when you're buying a house or you're looking to live somewhere, you should always look at your utility bill. I was surprised when someone told me that the majority of people don't do that when they're moving into a house or they're moving into an apartment. I've always done that. Like you, that's generally, I don't know if, I mean, maybe I'm talking about this from the city of Springfield or the city of Columbia. I've only lived in places where a municipal utility <laughs> has um, operated. <laughs> so maybe that's like public record. But I think you can request uh, utility bills uh, for like the previous year. Am I wrong about this? I think I did that when I lived in town in Columbia. Okay. Um, so so I know you can do it in Columbia. Okay. Um, and I, when I've looked at various houses they they usually include in their real estate brochure what the utility yeah are, right? i mean I, yeah that's right and i mean like maybe maybe i'm not maybe if you're listening to this in st louis or kansas city maybe aaron and kcpnl don't do that i don't know but i know where i've lived in the state 
uh, that's an option I had, and it seems to me like it's worth something because that's something that's a that's a cost to you that you're going to have to incur in addition to like your mortgage, you know, and that's all set by the value of your house as well. So it seems to me that if you've got solar panels on your roof, and that's like saving you money on your utility bill, or in some cases might actually make you a little bit of money, right, in a given time. Um, then that should factor into the value of your property. It should. Have I, I convinced you? <laughs> it should and it does, and there's studies. Uh, I think that the two ones that I cite to frequently are by uh, association, associated with the Lawrence Berkeley Labor Laboratories, which does mm. renewable research. Yes. Um, one of them talked about, uh, basically looked at uh, several states and the prices that houses with solar panels on them sold for compared to houses that sold without solar panels. Yeah. And they were consistently higher. Right. Well, somebody said criticized that and said, well, that's not necessarily the appraisal. There's multiple varieties of it. So then later another group did a study where they used a, appraisers' methods to evaluate these houses, and it showed about the same. It confirmed the data that houses with solar, the value increased about ten to $15,000. Right. Of course, depending on the size of the system. Right, and that's going to vary. Right. But, I mean, I think the point being that if the purpose of HOA uh, covenants and restrictions is to help you increase the value of your house, then anything that restricts solar is kind of counterintuitive to that idea. Yeah. And, and I think we do have some cases in Missouri that are kind of conflicting on that. Mm -hmm. uh, one on the eastern side of the state talked about how, yes, this is a right, and people have a right to put solar on their houses. Um, and then on the western side of the state, they said, yes, this is a right, but it doesn't necessarily preempt uh, any HOA language uh, here that's prohibiting it, but it can't be unreasonably withheld. Mm, right. And in that case, uh, the landowner, homeowner there, had put solar panels up and down the side of their garage. Um, hmm. Interesting choice. Right. I, I guess they, <laughs> they could get collect more sun that way. Oh, okay. But, but I mean, in, in that sort of circumstance, you've got to look at the facts and say, okay, maybe this was causing a glare directly into their window, or uh, theoretically, there could have been some aesthetic arguments there. Right. Um, but importantly, in that case, uh, they left, they allowed the homeowner to uh, keep the panels on his roof. You know, so as long as they're on your roof, as long as they're not in your front yard, as long as they're not up and down the side of your house, there shouldn't be any problem here. Yeah. Interesting segue, because I think this always, like, confuses people. I don't know if I've ever gotten your take on this, Tim. We have three court of... We have different districts for the Court of Appeals in Missouri. Is it your opinion that those all should be followed by everywhere in the state or just where you are at? Like, I know there are some lawyers who say that an Eastern District decision should only apply in the Eastern District, Western District, Southern District, and so on. I hate to get into a philosophical <laughs> thing, but it just made me think of this when you were talking about it. Should they apply? Yeah. Because, um, can I tell you my thoughts on this? I think this? they apply statewide. It's yeah. the same laws. Right? It's the Court of Appeals, not the courts. Okay. But then the problem with that is you have different judges in different parts of the state making different rules and different laws. And that's like this issue here where you got something on the eastern side of the state where you have a appellate court uh, saying one thing and you have a uh, 
the court on the other side of the state saying something else. Are you saying you think they're all activist judges no, here? No, I'm not saying I think they're activist judges. <laughs> I think the reason we don't have a bunch of robots making these decisions is because you want human beings being able to apply what they read to, like, you know... The world as it is? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like robot judges. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, I've heard, I've well, read people talk about robot em, uh, umpires, you know, or robot yeah. referees. Right? That's true. <laughs> I, I guess uh, I, I, I'm going to really regret this. Um, no, what I'm saying is, I mean, like there are different cases that are formulated in different parts of the state, and some people think that's good or bad. And so some people say, well, if you can't reconcile those things, what are you supposed to do? If you're in St. Louis and there is a case in Kansas City that is different in the, than the case that covers the eastern part of the state, you should follow the eastern uh, court of appeals. Right. And if you don't like that, you should seek transfer to the Supreme Court to resolve the oh, discrepancy. that's right. But the problem with the Supreme Court is they don't have to take every case. No, they don't have to take every now, case. Now, you would point out in your application that there's a difference between the laws, and that's why they should do it. Hopefully that would be persuasive, but not necessarily. Not necessarily. Case. But, I mean, I hate to get into law talk here. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing. But, I mean, but I just, that just made me think of it when you were talking about that, that it might be confusing to people uh, that, uh, that uh, judges on this side of the state would say one thing and judges would say this on the other side of the state, and what are they supposed to follow? Right. That could be a problem. Or maybe we could fix that. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on the case. Um, because, uh, yeah, and we, yeah, I mean, and judges are human, judges make mistakes, unless you're at the Supreme Court, and then if you make a mistake, there's nothing you can do about it. I think facts matter, too. Facts um, matter. I think there are different, different facts on the eastern side of the state case that I'm thinking of and right. than the one on the western side of the state. Also important for people to understand is, like, if a circuit court makes a decision, that's not precedent. I hear people say, like... Well, I heard about this one case in this one county, and that should be something you cite to this judge. And I'm like, that judge doesn't have to follow that at all. <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I mean, I, I used to do private practice, and I had people say that. Like, well, I know that this uh, we were in front of this judge, and they ruled on it this way in this one case. I'm like, that may be. I don't know what the facts there were. I don't know how they were presented there. I don't know if, like, that would be the same result. But you can't say that's precedent. The only precedent you get is at the appellate level in the state court. Okay. Why? You disagree with no, me? No, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I would think as a former judge, you would want to mm. preserve your legacy and say that what Ooh. you ruled on was precedent. Why? Did you mention I used to be a judge, Tim? Why? Thank you for mentioning that. Um, yes. And what I ruled on were, like, I dealt with traffic tickets and, like, ex parte orders and all this other stuff. That I, What I would tell you is it was all very case by case. It was all very fact-based. Um, it was very rare that I had to make a legal interpretation of anything. I did one time, though, but that's not going to be the subject of this uh, podcast unless you want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. Well, we so <laughs> so I, I think we know that there is some conflicting law about what you can do with solar panels, what HOAs can do to restrict solar right. panels. Right. And it depends on where you're at in the state. And, you know, but... Stepping back from, you know, what they can do, I think what they should do is mm -hmm. they should try and revise these things. I think that uh, prescriptions against solar panels uh, are outdated. Yes. Uh, we've got a lot of counties in this state who uh, pass, um, you know, construction um, 
call them guidelines where they say, you know, you right. should have the ability to put solar panels on your house or we encourage renewable energy, that yeah. sort of thing. And th yet there's still new homeowners associations being created that are contrary to those county ordinances. Right. Um, whether that's because of they're simply repeating prior HOA things or this is a developer that's been doing it for 50 years yeah. and they are just, you know, they had a, a lawyer who told them that right. in 1958 and yeah. now they're carrying it forward. Yeah. Um, well, is there like a state, I mean, like I've always heard people say we need like a solar bill of rights uh, that fixes this. But then, I mean, my answer to that is, well, it doesn't change these covenants that are already in place. I mean, they could. But the, the application retroactively of a law uh, doesn't happen very often. <laughs> I, I think it would take some careful uh, legislating to mm. be able to. Do you think we see that. a lot of that in the state, Tim? <laughs> well, when a court reviews it, it's presumed that they were being careful, mm. right? And that they intended to do what they wrote. Yeah, that I mean, that's that's what always uh, tickles me about some of these like appellate cases that look at legal uh, looks at laws, and they're like, well, we are assuming that the, the legislature meant every word and everything else, but sometimes there's mistakes <laughs> in those laws. <laughs> Amazingly, considering how many people look at those, how many levels they get voted at, how many people work on drafting them, and there's still mistakes in them. Yeah, it's difficult to coordinate that many different perspectives into one document, right? Ooh, maybe robot lawmakers. <laughs> robot lawmakers. Since you all seem to be so keen on <laughs> robot judges. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't know. Um, this is, this is, I don't, I don't, I don't want so, to talk about So that. in addition to whether, <laughs> in addition to whether it should, you know, it, it cuts against these restrictions cut against what I think is explicitly stated in the preamble of all of these covenants yeah. is that they want to preserve people's property values. Yeah. And right. by restricting this, they're doing affirmative damage. Yeah. And especially when they try and get people to tear them off their houses that already have them on there. Yeah, because that like will damage your roof. That can damage the structure underneath your roof. That can cause a lot more damage than just having a solar panel on top of your roof. Well, they're not just ripping it off with a crane or anything. Well, Tim, I know that. But I mean, you know, they're, but they do cause, but they can cause damage. They can yeah. cause damage. It costs money to hire people right. to take, to put them up, to take them down, yeah. right? And you're factoring that into what your savings will be over 15 to 20 yeah. years. And then you take away. Fact, you're depriving them of the ability to save money on their utility bill. Right. And that seems to be problematic. And I mean, like, and, and what what's been amazing to me? We've we've been involved with some of these cases. We've 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 seen some evidence here. I hear people like the objections of some of their neighbors, like say stuff like, "Well, when I lived in Arizona, someone did this, and they had a very bad experience with it." <laughs> like it has nothing to do with whether they agree with it or not. It's just like they have formulated a negative opinion of solar. And that's what they're applying to this situation. Also seems enormously unfair and arbitrary and capricious. Yeah, that, that is a <laughs> uh, pretty thin rationale to base any decision on. Uh, yeah, I don't want to like say anything disparaging about these people, but that seems really um, like not a good thing to base your decision on. It's going to affect one of your neighbors. No, and it could it could impact you, right? It could. It could. So, Tim, if someone comes into this situation, what do you think they should do? 
Like if like if you have a if you're in a homeowners association and you signed it and you decide, well, I want to put solar on my roof, and your homeowners association won't let you do it. What do you do? You sue them? I think you should follow all the processes that they might have, right? Right. So there are appeals. There's in these. usually some level of how they want you to appeal. How do they want you to apply to the architectural control committee? Uh, if you don't like that, there's an appeal process usually in there. You could um, try and convince all the HOA members to join your side. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of steps you could take. I like to think of litigation as a last, last step. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that it would be very easy to, um, if you see this, like say you signed it and then you didn't realize it, and then you see that you've got this restriction on there. I mean, how hard would it be? Like, I, I mean, it depends on the size of, the size of your subdivision, but like to get some of the, your other neighbors together to say, we should propose changing this. Doesn't that seem like that would be a good idea? I think that would be a good idea, but people are complicated. And I think I just read that there was some sort of like federal case, like this might have been a Supreme Court case, where I think now like if you change anything about your homeowners association, it's got to be more than like half. It's got to be like like a like a like like two thirds. Yeah, I think there's. I mean, I, I I read this. There was a Supreme Court case about this that said that you've got to have more people uh, to vote on an HOA. Uh, to approve it, change it. Yeah, I recall... We would need to do some research on that, maybe. <laughs> I, I know that kind of threw you for a loop. But... I recall uh, in uh, law school, in our property course, that Ooh, yeah. when uh, we were talking about people putting developing subdivisions, that those were usually very hard to break. Right. Um, after the fact. Yeah, they are. Some of them have provisions to make changes within the covenants, though, which, yeah. which would be easier. That would be easier. But yeah, and I think that's like that's a sign of whether one of those was written well or not. Or I guess it might have been the intentions of with people who originally did it that they want that to change over time, or did they not? And sometimes they originally didn't want them to change. And so they wrote them with that in mind. Right. So that also is a challenge. But I guess if you have that and you want to try to fight it, you would have to like go through the process with the homeowners association. And then if that doesn't work, if you can't appeal to people's greater angels, as we call them, then you would probably have to, like, go talk to a lawyer. Well, I, I don't know that you have to do that. I think that's what I would recommend. I mean, yeah. you've got to live next to these people, right? Yeah, and, that's, and that is what, I mean, when we talk to these folks, I mean, like, we have people, like I said, we, I bet I get, like, maybe, like, three or four phone calls like this a month, maybe, and or emails. And, you know, the one thing I always, like, try to, like, remind these people is, like, you would be suing your neighbors. And when this is all said and done, whether you're successful or not, you still have to live around them. <laughs> and you don't right. want to like do anything that's like going to like sour that relationship. So just if you're going to do that, just make sure it's what you want to do. Right. And, you know, watch out for yourselves and each other, as Jerry Springer would say at the end of one of his shows. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's how I should have like uh, capped this off. But I didn't. I've already blown it, so I can't do that now. <laughs> Tim, anything else to add? You've said it all. Oh. <laughs> and more. <laughs> and more. Um, I hope this wasn't too painful for you to go through. I actually think this is pretty good. I hope that maybe people, if they're 
dealing with this or you're a solar company out there listening to this that this gives you some food for thought or if you're like buying a house in a homeowners uh, association like kind of one of those areas that you look for that sort of thing yeah yeah i think yeah i think there's we're beginning to see that there are a number of benefits not just to the person who has the solar panels yeah. on their house that their neighbors will also see benefits because if your neighbor's house uh, is appraised or sells for more money, usually that means your house is worth more money. Well, right? that's right, yeah. Um, or the assessor is going to come by and say, hey, they're worth $15,000 more. You're probably worth... Yeah, because appraisers do things that we call comps, which is short for comparables. And they'll usually look at, like, you know, properties that are near this area and trying to make a uh, distinction on how much those sold for, how much they're worth, their appraisals done on that. And so that is basically how they come up with that. Right. So there's that. And then there's the other aspect of if your neighbor puts it on, enough of your neighbors put these solar panels on, you may start to see benefits of distributed energy resources on your own bill. Ooh. Right? You could avoid yeah. line losses. You can avoid O&M of, of coal plants. Operation and maintenance. You can avoid... Uh, That's what O&M is. Yeah. Other, other expenses. Fuel costs. Yeah. Fuel costs. Transportation of coal, I guess that's O&M. But there's benefits that may not be um, readily discernible to mm. somebody who is a volunteer HOA board member, right? Gee whiz, it seems like we've talked about those distributive energy resources before. Generally with IOUs, and I would say yeah. that you're dealing with more sophisticated actors in, that, in those situations. Right. So... It can be up to us to help the homeowner educate their mm, board. Right. Uh, it can be up to us to just talk to boards directly uh, to educate them about benefits from people putting solar on their homes. Right. Well, and I think all that does matter. And you're right because, I mean, if you're, if you're taking stress off the grid, which solar panels do, then that ultimately has a benefit for everybody around you. Definitely. Or, or let's say... You live in California where there's wildfires caused mm. by transmission lines in areas. Yeah, they're like let's setting say, fire to like grown over, you know, kind of easements. Let's say you uh, maybe don't need as many transmission lines because there's more distributed energy resources. Um, you might lessen that risk uh, to property owners in that situation. We're not necessarily in that situation in Missouri, but... right. Um, yeah, but I think it still does beg the question that, you know, there could be benefits that are indirect. Right. Yeah. Well, I think this has been very helpful, Tim. Thank you for joining us today. Um, if you have any questions about that, you can email me, james at renewmo.org. We can, like, kind of follow up with some of this. We've uh, been very busy with this, and we've actually also been working on some, like, model ordinances maybe that we'd like to share with folks one of these days, right? Yeah, we've got some... Uh ideas and Ooh, some drafts together yeah we're cooking up something good aren't we <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I when we're talking about model ordinances I, yeah. my sister lives in uh, Denver area uh-huh and um, her neighborhood has all these giant fancy houses and yep. probably every third house has solar panels on Ooh, it yeah and so I asked her for a copy of her um, restrictions right and in there uh, restrictions there it specifically says you, you don't need pre-approval to put solar panels on your house Really? It's like so some some uh granted Denver is different than let's say Branson. Mm. Uh 
You know, in some ways, yes, I'm sure that's true. <laughs> They're similar in other ways, I'd mm, say. Yes. Uh, you can realize benefits from having solar panels on your houses. And it sure is a lot of pretty, pretty, pretty places there. Right. Yeah. Uh, that might be it. The trees are the right. <laughs> the trees are the right height. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I believe that was a, that. That's kind of a famous line from when presidential candidates could say things like that, and you know, it would be mocked. <laughs> yeah. The goal, The uh, it was the simpler. Ah, uh, yes. The uh, the salad days, as we call them. Um. Yeah, so so that's your sister. Does she have solar panels? She does. Oh, good. I'm glad that was the answer. <laughs> we were going to have to drag your sister on this. Saves, <laughs> saves lots of money. That well, way. there you go. Does she have an IOU or is she in like a municipality? Or I don't know exactly. Am, am I asking you questions that you weren't prepared for to answer today? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not prepared for it, but I brought it up, so I brought it upon myself. Yeah, that's true. But it's good. It's good to know that's out there. Um, and so if you want to learn more about this, like I said, you can get in touch with us. Uh, you can call us. We would be happy to help. We are working with uh, homeowners around the state on this as we speak. And so and maybe if you're a solar company, you're interested in that sort of thing, too. Um, we would. Uh, I would also want to take this moment now. Uh, I think this week you're going to be getting uh, something in the mail if you're on our mailing list. Uh, it's our year-end appeal. And uh, that's where we uh, kind of take this opportunity for you that if you're thinking about uh, how you're going to make your charitable contributions at the end of the year, that we want you to remember us. And one of the things that we do here, I mean, we do this kind of work. Um, we don't do it for a lot of money. Uh, we do it for some. I mean, we do have expenses that go along with these lawsuits, uh, as well as, you know, writing letters and that sort of thing. And we do get that partially subsidized. Uh, by the solar company that uh, might be interested in this or with the uh, homeowner that is also obviously interested in this. But we do that at a cost that is substantially less than what they would do if they had a, a, a private attorney do it. So if for any reason you like that we're working on this topic, you should think about when you get that envelope, um, you know, checking that box saying you're going to be a monthly uh, donor, or you're going to send a one-time donation this year, it really does make a difference because uh, we have uh, we have lawyers here, we have people here that you know keep the lights on every day. We have policy people working, and we even have like you know interns and clerks and things like that that are doing all this research to make Tim's job uh, easier. And we have to have places where we do that too. Like we are in Kansas City and St. Louis and Columbia now. So that means I've got three rents <laughs> to pay every month. And so if you're looking at that and you're thinking, well, what do I get for this? Well, in addition to getting this amazingly entertaining podcast, <laughs> you're getting all of this stuff that we're talking about here too. And so I would just urge you and encourage you that if you care about this and you care about what we're talking about, please consider giving money. Uh, please consider, uh, you know, uh, subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or um, Spotify. Please consider writing a review if it's going to be positive. Don't write negative reviews. Don't. We don't want your. We don't want your input. <laughs> Share this with your social media networks. And we do thank you for listening. We do thank you for your support. And hey, remember, while you're out there, take care of yourselves and each other. Yeah.